Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Manx Theatre Podcast with me, Neil King. And me, Neil Callan. Thank you to everyone who's listened to our previous episodes. If you're new to the podcast, welcome along and thank you for joining us. You can still listen to all of our previous episodes through our accounts on Facebook and Instagram, as well as through Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and manxradio.com forward slash podcasts. Coming up on this week's podcast, in Act 1, I speak to Jack Divers about his career in theatre so far and also the upcoming play of the Blood Brothers. Then in Act 2, I speak to Jack again to find out a little bit more about him in our Getting to Know You section. Fantastic. That should be interesting. It is, I bet he's got some there. Some good choices there. He has. He's got some. He's got some great choices in there. Well, I mean, I'm really looking forward to, to listening to that again because it was, it was a great conversation that we had. Well, without any further ado, let's dim the house lights and lift the curtain on Act One and Neil Callan's chat with Jack Divers. Right, I'd like to welcome along to the Manx Theatre podcast today, Jack Divers. Uh, Jack is a local actor, singer, musician. Can sometimes pass himself off as a dancer. No, I wouldn't say that. I disagree with that one. <laughs> I was literally watching a clip from a show that I was watching today, and it was two of the characters trying to teach another one of the characters that was so wooden-bodied, try, trying to teach him how to dance. And I was just watching it going, oh, so that's what I look like when I'm trying to dance. <laughs> so you've had a fairly busy year so this year, haven't you, so far? Yeah, it's been a bit hit and miss, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've just finished uh, Singing in the Rain with, with Taylorian Productions, mm-hmm. where you were not only playing in the band, but you were also on stage as well as the featured singer and playing your trumpet. Yeah, it was, it was a really good, fun experience. Um, it's something that we haven't done on the island before um which is known as acting musicianship so i've either done a show before where i've played in the pit orchestra pit on my trumpet or i've been on stage whereas this was a situation where they wanted to have some of the musicians play sections on stage so fortunately the part that i went for which was a production singer i only had one song to sing really so that worked out quite well in the fact of i could sing that number and then i could actually play the rest of the rest of the show in the orchestra yeah if it was someone else that wasn't a musician um they would have slotted them into other scenes all around the other place and would have yeah. been an ensemble member I, I really enjoyed playing in the pit i like getting that opportunity as well and it was it was a really fun experience because it was something different because you usually do your pre-show prep when you're on stage and you have your little routine that you do you'll know this you yes. have your little routine where you, before you go on stage and um, it's when we did the first dress rehearsal so I had to do my pre-show prep for going on stage, so setting my costume and everything for my change. But then I also had to do my pit pre-show prep because we have that as well because yeah. I have to get my instruments out, get everything sorted, warm up. So a different kind of warm-up to, to what you'd have on stage yeah, as well. Yeah, so with trumpet playing, I have to warm my lips up and everything like that. With singing, I've got to warm my voice up. Yeah. So these two worlds collided. So on the first dress rehearsal, I was a bit, like, I was a bit overwhelmed by it all. <laughs> but we got around it, and yeah, it was a really fun experience being able to ex- put those all into one one world, as it were. And I think the audience really enjoyed seeing some of the instruments being played live on stage, and we had people questioning, going, oh, they weren't playing that live. Well, we were. So you've um, you've, you've been involved in and around theatre for, for pretty much most of your life, really, but mainly, mainly playing in, in the pit to begin with anyway. What kind of sort of made you make that sort of transition from in the pit to on to on the stage? Well, I was a musician first and foremost. So I I started playing trumpet when I was seven years old. 
by pure circumstance because my dad brought one home and he wanted to try and learn it. I picked it up and got a sound out of it, and then I wouldn't shut up about it. Um, <laughs> so a I, seven-year-old to want to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know it was really weird. I didn't pick up guitar or drums. I saw a trumpet and went, "That's cool." That just explains my mindset, really, doesn't it? <laughs> I got a trumpet when I was seven years old, and then I learned, and then I did brass banding for ten years, um, and from that point, I built my skill up to a level, and then at which point we had the opportunity in the first show I ever did in theatre in the pit was Disco Inferno uh-huh. um, which is the actual show that David Cowie and Kate Cowie got engaged yes it I was I remember yeah. that and I had no idea who they were at that point no. now they're two, two very good friends of mine yeah so that was the first show I did in the pit and it was a re- and that was when I was fifteen. Really, gosh. Yeah, fifteen years old. I discovered a picture from it the other day because last night we all came in costume as well. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. And I did a couple more in the pit after that. And I think it was when I was seventeen, eighteen, because I hadn't sung to mm. this point. I knew I I was musical and I had an ear for music, having done trumpet playing for years. And it was only when I went into year twelve, I started doing drama again in school, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, this is this is quite fun. I'm enjoying this and I'm all right at this, you know? Yeah. And I was like, maybe I'll do the school show next year. Um, for year 13, I was like, let's do the last school show. I went for it and they were like, oh, if you want to go for that part, you've got to sing. And I'm like, well, I've never, I've never really sang before. I've sang in the shower, but yeah. I've never actually sang prop, tried to sing properly. So I went along for some lessons with Nick Roberts and it was like, oh, you're, you're all right at this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I went for it and yeah, I, I, I got the part and I did it. And then from that point, I realized that I was like, oh, I really enjoyed this. I want to do some of this some more. Um, my mum did makeup and everything for a lot of the shows backstage yeah. at Gaiety. So she turned around and said, come audition for the next DCU show, which was My Fair Lady at the uh-huh. time. So that was my first fray on stage instead of in the pit. And the way I've kind of worked it since then is I like to try and do a show in the pit once a year uh-huh. just to keep myself in there and you know it, it's a good thing to do it's a different side of theater because it keeps I, you musically fit as well i suppose yeah yeah it's it's like you like having an off season as it were and then yeah. just going back in but also like i, I appreciate all sides of theater because i mean th- the show doesn't happen without every single person so whether it be backstage whether it be the orchestra or whether it be the actors as much as you see the actors on stage and they're the ones that get the round of applause that it doesn't happen. We, you know as well as I do, it doesn't happen without the rest of the team. So I enjoy it. Like I've done bits backstage. It's finding that balance, and I try to have a nice balance as well. And if it's a case of if I audition for a show and just go, you're not good enough, and go, cool. Well, can I play in the pit then? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, how'd you make that decision? But I guess that's that's that's, that's my fallback plan. That was Wizard of Oz actually. Yeah, that was Wizard of Oz. I auditioned for Wizard of Oz. I wasn't good enough. So, I, but he turned around and said, but there's a place for you in the pit. And I was like, good. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take that. You've you've been no stranger to pantomimes over the years either as well you've had a few leading male roles in, in those M- male and female well roles. yes technically, <laughs> technically if you want to put it that way yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i love panto i think it's i think as a performer you need to do panto at least once in your life yeah i mean i i think i mean i started out doing doing panto and peel with the peel pantaloons and i think that it's a good way of developing your craft because with panto anything can happen and you've oh, got yeah. to be so on that ball to jump in at any point to pick up anything from everyone and, mm-hmm. yeah. and when you do panto with the likes of david artis who is the king 
of making mistakes look like it's your fault. Pulling an artist, we call it. Oh yeah, pulling an artist. He'll stand there, he'll jump four pages, and he'll look at you. It was and then a... every... But he'll do it so confidently that everyone in the audience will look at you, and he'll be like, I don't even have a line in the scene. <laughs> it was the last night of Aladdin that we did. So I was playing Aladdin, he was playing my brother. I know, strange. Uh, <laughs> he wrote the script. Um, <laughs> but it, he had this whole scene where he was talking to the audience, introducing like the, the little teddy down the corner that you walk up to and they have to shout about um and it was this scene where he was talking about his brother aladdin who was always getting the girls and everything and he forgot to do all that walk through and it was literally just stood there just going oh i wonder where aladdin is so and i was meant to sneak out and go up to this teddy and test out that sort of um the thing with the audience but he didn't do that he cut half the scene (laughs) (laughs) so i just wandered on stage and i was like not gonna introduce me then nor gonna do that cue line and his face just went oh <laughs> he realized so we ran off he did that got to the moment i came on stage and but it became a thing and oh hi Aladdin. yeah yeah it was just like oh you're here what a surprise <laughs> but that's the joy of panto is yeah. is rolling with those punches when those things happen or when something goes wrong and playing with it and reacting with the audience and going yeah something went wrong but let's make a feature of it or make something of it rather than going, oh, let's try and hide that over and be angry about it. You know, and that's the best thing with Panto as well. I mean, people prefer it when things go wrong in Panto. Oh, they love it. Like, I had one friend, it was it was a scripted gag, but the way it was played out made it look like it was an accident. Yes. We all know they, they happen in Pantos. And there's one of my friends that to this day, she does not think it was, She to this day, she was like, that was ad-libbed. Uh, that that I was so glad I was in for that night, and I was like, "Oh, I'm really sorry to disappoint you, but <laughs> as, as Ronnie Barker always said, all the best ad libs are well rehearsed." Yep. <laughs> I, I love doing panto. I've done I, I, my first panto. I did completely opposite way round. Was a drag roll. I did Queen Morgiana in Snow White and the Seven oh, Dwarves, yes. and that was when I was 19. Gosh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, and I I learnt that was the year that I learnt to walk in heels, and it's a skill that I still retain, <laughs> which I use for other occasions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was my first one. That was full, and that was played straight as well. That was played, so we didn't want we wanted to elude the fact that was I male or was I female, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was by chance. It was actually written for a woman, and they were auditioning a woman, and I made the joke to Sarah Holland. I yeah. Said, Gonna add, nah, I'm only going to do it if I can audition for the uh, for the Wicked Queen. And she was like, well, what if the director said yes to that? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I, not thinking that he would turn around and say, yeah, get him down to audition. He did. And I, I got it. So it was very bizarre. I had to sing Don't You by the Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> but I also got to sing Poison by Alice Cooper. Oh, so, excellent, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a very strange experience, but it was it was ace. And yeah, playing a bag... You, you know yourself playing a bad guy in panto is so much fun it's the best it's it's so much fun and if you can get kids crying within your first few lines you know you know it's job done isn't it oh yeah 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 hearing everyone boo when you go down for a bow you think that'll be a bad thing but yeah. you know, if if you get that when you walk down at the end of a panto you've done your job and, exactly oh, yeah it's, it's it's ace and you know on that creativity side of things and we also you're a member of of a few different groups that that play around the island in various bars and social events and things? Yeah, currently I've got Lava and Motherfunkers. That's Funkers, Funkers. With, with an N. Yep, yes. yep, yep. We do do the asterisks, though, but in Mother, Yes, you know, to play with it. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Motherfunkers is effectively Lava 0.5. Right, okay. Um, so it is the drummer, bass player, guitar player, and 
the other guitar player because they're brothers. Right. Um, so always helpful. Yeah, yeah. It's basically the Rowe family and me, right. Danny on drums. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's a creative project because we like doing sort of funky soul sort of stuff and messing around with stuff. Lava. Different kind of stuff that you would do with, with Lava, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Lava's more sort of a Latin funk um, soul with you know more percussion in there. Yeah. There's me and my dad on brass. And Dad plays sax, and that sort of developed itself now as a real sort of party band now. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's been a gig that we've played where people haven't danced. But it's the type of music that we do in the style that we do it in, and then you've got the likes of, you've got me, you've got Chrissy DeHaven up front as well as other yeah. people. So we're dancing around like lunatics, and again, that that completely changes the dynamic for people because if there's just a band playing there, people feel weird to dance, whereas if we're making fools of ourselves, that yeah. that coaxes the audience. It kind of adds to the performance of it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, massively. And yeah, they're the two that I've kind of played with at the moment. I've played with Soul Suspects when they were about for ages. We did that for a couple of years and then I got sick of soul music. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just played those charts for quite a long time, so it, was just, it got to a point where I was like, it, when a project gets to the point that I feel like it's work and I don't want to go to the gig. That's the point where I go, that's it now. So the next thing that you're doing then in, in November, um, you're playing Eddie Johnson. Oh, well, he's not Johnson, is he? He's Lions. He's Lions, yes. Mm-hmm. In the play version of Blood Brothers, which must be something that's that's, that's different for you because there's, there's no singing involved in this time. Yeah. I've loved Blood Brothers for years. It's a phenomenal show. It's such a tearjerker because it goes from hilarious of these little kids that are played by adults because yeah. we play them at all ages but we have to change our acting style and then it gets really heavy and prevalent mm. at the end and it's really poignant at the end it's a bit of a change for me i've done a play before i did um the rise and fall of little voice a couple oh, yes. of years back um and that was my thought sort of first soiree and serious acting yeah um as it were without singing blood brothers i mean i've loved the show for years i love the musical version the play version is actually slightly different yeah the ending is slightly different Ooh. same idea but slightly different um but it's just such a beautiful show it, it's going to be difficult because you've got the accents in there so you've got the scouse accent so you've got the posh accents but then you've got to change your pitch as well because you're playing an eight-year-old yeah then you're playing a 14 year old so Mm -hmm. you're you're playing a prepubescent kid so one minute your voice is breaking and the next minute and then you're playing an adolescent yeah um you're playing a young adult going off to university and then you're a full-grown adult Mm -hmm. in the real world if you think about it your your voice and your demeanor changes throughout that as much as you're still you yeah it changes throughout that time and it's it's We've done a read-through already, and, I mean, trying to do a young, like, a four-year-old posh boy (laughs) is quite difficult. (laughs) I was just, like, going, okay, so Eddie's gay, um, because I just, I sounded quite, I was doing this posh voice, but putting up higher pitched, and I just sounded incredibly camp. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. A lot of work to do. And with with the play as well, I mean, I... I've known from my experience itself, you know, the, the rehearsal period is much, much shorter. I mean, it could be something as simple as like six or eight weeks, and that's it. You're on, but then because you don't have that, you don't have that that challenge of the the musical routines, the songs, the dances to, to learn and and to perfect and to to run a hundred thousand times. Yeah, I think we've got eight weeks. Yeah, yeah, eight weeks. <laughs> the bit where it makes up for it 
is the meatiness of the dialogue. Yeah. There's quite a lot of dialogue to absolutely... Gets a bit wordy. Yes. Got to try and ram that into my brain. People learn lines in different ways. Part of the fit for me is repetition and yeah. doing it in a space that kind of goes, so you associate a line with a move or... That's exactly how I work as well. Yeah. 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 Or and just hearing it on repeat. So a lot of the time I will record myself saying something and then play it back to myself and just do my own heading which is writing and typing out the the lines yeah and... yeah everyone has their own method for it so i think it'll be yeah it's a it's a big challenge but i'm i'm really looking forward to it because it means it's a show that it means a lot to me yeah. um I, I i remember watching it before it closed on the west end and it, it that show has never failed to make me cry yeah it never failed to make me cry every time i've watched it i've just been in bits <laughs> I, I remember growing growing up and you know you sort of hear a lot about Stephen Palfman who's yeah. obviously he's, he's from the Isle of Man he's a West End performer he's been in involved with Blood Brothers for like 25 years mm-hmm. and you know this was a name that sort of kept coming up as I was sort of growing up and going through through theatre and I was down in, in, in London for audition for drama school on weekend and I managed to get tickets to go and watch this and thought this is brilliant I'm going to get to see Stephen Palfman the one weekend he's home in the Isle of Man so <laughs> 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 it was always understood he is dead but um it was it was it was it was a fantastic show, nonetheless. Anyway, when I found, finally managed to see him a couple of years later when he came here with the UK tour, yeah. So I finally got to see Stephen playing. It was it was yeah, fantastic. I saw him, yeah. I saw him do it down in town as well, and he was just you know, phenomenal. Yeah, just brilliant. I know the musical quite well. I've seen it quite a few times, but I've never seen the play version. I know it was mm. done a few years ago out out in Peel, but no, I've never seen it before. So I'm I'm quite keen to to get to see this mm. and see how it differs. It's got really nice features in it like the way the whole thing flows and changes because um, we, we in like musicals you'll see like how it they use songs to end a scene and then you have scene change and next whereas with the play you don't have that so the the scenes almost flow into each other and then it's just like so this is in this moment and then three weeks later but it's the way that you perform that and the it's quite, seven years later and then yeah, yeah. It, it's quite cleverly written and the way those scene changes are done but that's down as well to sort of the production team but yeah. we've we've got david dawson directing mm-hmm. and he's a very creative guy um he knows having worked with him on stuff i've worked on stuff with him since i was in high school and seeing the way he produces and the way he puts stuff together he's got a lot of vision um and i enjoy working with him um so yeah and no, i'm looking forward to working with dorsey on this one as well Great. So that's uh, Three Legs Productions then with, with Blood Brothers at the Gaiety Theatre and it's on in November and what are the dates? Uh, it's on from November the 13th through to the 16th of November so it's only a four night run. Lovely. Alright, well Jack thank you very much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. Cheers. Okay, so that was our initial chat with Jack Divers there. Um, it's nice having Jack on actually. He was one of the first people I asked to be on the podcast when it was here in the initial uh, apart from you, obviously. obviously apart yeah. from you, obviously. I mean, it, Jack's Jack's a great one as well because he's he's multi-talented, isn't he? He's, he's yeah. a he's like bi-thespian, tri-thespian. You know, he's he plays in the pit. He's on stage, and it's it's interesting to listen there to to listen to how he how he chooses about whether he he plays in the pit or whether he, whether he goes on stage and, and likes to perform yeah. that way. It's fantastic, great musician. I mean, I've been in a band with him for maybe seven years now. Yeah. And he's one of those people. Obviously, he's very good at uh, technical side, and he reads music very well. But he's in in normal bands. He just turns up and plays 
perfection every time. Different every time. It's, it's just so talented. Sickening, isn't it? It is. Yeah. We, <laughs> we hate him a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love you really, Jack. Oh, we love you. We do. Uh, and yeah, in Singing in the Rain, then he had he did both, really, didn't he? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, mean, it, I think that was a first time that that really happened on the island. Certainly, mm. certainly that I can remember anyway. Yeah. But then for, yeah, he, I mean, he was, he was talking about that, how he um, had literally a handful of bars to get from where he was sat upstage on, on the back up on the roster in his, his orchestra position to down on the stage to play to then run back off and get back up onto his, his, his seat again to carry <laughs> on with the next bit so yeah something I'm glad that I never have to do yes exactly yeah it's, <laughs> it's easy not being as talented isn't it it's, it makes life a lot easier <laughs> Okay then, so let's find out a bit more about Jack in Neil's chat with him and our Getting to Know You section. So I'm joined again by Jack Divers for our Getting to Know You section, Hello. where we hope to find out a little bit more about Jack's previous roles, but also where he may be looking to, to go in the future. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay then Jack, let's get straight into it then with question number one. What was your first ever role? Uh, oh, my first ever sort of acting role was a character called Phil, and he was the bad guy in a show called Alison the Musical. It was year 30, so it was my last year at Balakameen, it was a school show that we did, um, and it was originally meant to be shared with uh, Robbie and Raid, um, but unfortunately he got um, ill, so... Yeah, I did the bad guy, and that was when I f- that was the first show I ever sang in because that was what I had, that's what made me discover my voice. Right. Um, but yeah, absolute terrible show. Uh, <laughs> as a script, it was awful. Um, if but the was, writers of the of the show are listening to this podcast, sorry. Ask <laughs> <laughs> me. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It, I mean, it was a school musical. So yeah. <laughs> I was going to say I've never heard of that. I'll have to look it up. But after you said that, maybe maybe I won't bother. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> right then, so what was your last, or what is your latest role? Uh, last role was the production singer in Singing in the Rain, and my next, uh, my latest role will be Eddie Lyons in Blood Brothers. Oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. And that's the play rather than the musical? Yes, play rather than the musical. Right, okay. So question three then, what was your favourite role? Uh, I have two, and they are for two different reasons. Uh, my favourite one is Judas. Um, oh yeah, that was just such an experience for me. Mm. Um, it was it was a lifelong goal. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those bucket list roles, isn't it? Yeah, well, it kind of partly is one of my answers to the next question. But Judas is Jesus Christ Superstar was one of the first shows that I ever watched. Um, it was on VHS, uh-huh. um, and it was Jeremy Carter and Jerome Pradon. Mm. Um, Jeremy Carter as Jesus and um, Jerome Pradon as Judas and I remember watching the video of that and I just remember watching it going this is insane I love this and yeah and then when I, I the fir- one of the first shows I can remember going to the theatre to watch was Jesus Christ Superstar um, production here at the Gaiety and it was David Artis uh-huh. as Judas I was in that yeah you were in it as well yeah because what, what were you in that one I was one of the disciples yeah you were one of the disciples weren't you I remember seeing pictures of it all, but yeah, it was one of the first shows I can remember seeing, and I remember seeing David Artis do Judas, and I just remember going, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And then I started fan girling over David Artis as well, and then I got to know did him. We and all I just went, <laughs> and then I got to know him, and then I was just like, "Oh, okay." But yeah, no, Judas is just an absolutely insane part, and it, it was uh, 
it was a very poignant part of my life and I also feel it's where my career peaked. So mm. <laughs> and, and being hung every night on, on stage is, is a fun thing as well. I mean that experience was it's one of the most dangerous um the hangs that's been done before because the way they'd always done it is it would be a group would gather around them and attach the harness. Yeah. Um the way we did it, it was all on me. And it was, you couldn't see how it was attached. And the reason you couldn't see what it was attached because I was attaching it and I literally had uh, Wally, the stage manager at the side. And whilst I was acting, I had to take a brief moment just to look to the side to get the cue off him of whether, you know, get the thumbs up for him that I'd done it. It was, and he was happy with it. Um, but it was an incredible effect. It, um, was, it was. I was just sad I never got to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just always sat there with my head down, just playing dead. Um, yeah, but... it was certainly having been stood on the stage and watching it. It was it was a very powerful image. Yeah, it was it was just a very powerful show, and it was it was a very powerful journey. Sort of, without <laughs> sounding like too spiritual, but it was it was very challenging because I had to get in the mindset of sort of someone that was betraying I, I i went quite meta with it yeah um because it meant so much to me and you know it took me to some interesting places and it was just a fantastic experience but that's one of my all-time favorite ones if someone said do you want to do judas again i'd be like yes in a heartbeat the other one is patsy um, yeah. from spam a lot just because it was just an absolute joy it was just comedy the whole way it was just so light-hearted and fun um, just the whole show in yeah. general was just a joy to be in. You know, we did it for six months and it never got boring. No. It, 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 there was always something new and fresh with it. And I just know it, it's one of those shows, it's like Avenue Q. Um, that would have to be in there as well, actually. I'd have to say Rod in Avenue Q is one of my little favourites. Um, because there's so many nuances in there. Like, the puppeteering with Rod was a beautiful moment as well. And Patsy's just, it's one of those shows that always develops. It's always mm. changing. And I think if you went and watched the show twice, the best structure would be the same, but there'd be different nuances in there each yeah. time. And I love that about it. So yeah, no, I, I, they would be my favorite role. I can't pick out one because I like the different, and there's so many different things about the different things that I've done that I love. So I can't just go, that's the best. Yeah. Okay, then. So moving on then. Question four, then. What would be your dream role? I have a top three. Oh, top three. Top three. Um, and we've already ticked one of them off, which is Judas. That was my top one of my top three. My other two, there's a bit of a theme. <laughs> um, they involve me dressing in women's clothing. <laughs> 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 and that wasn't purposeful. Um, the other one is um, Miss Trunchbull uh-huh. in Matilda, because... That's it. I will fight you for it. <laughs> I will fight you for it. Just remember at the auditions, meet me at the top of the stairs. <laughs> Matilda's just an incredible show. I'm a yeah. master. Well, you know yourself. Big We're Tim Minchin fan. Big Tim Minchin fans. We're off to see him in a couple of weeks. Yay. I know I need to book me to flight. Um, but he, he, the music, I went to see it in London last February for the first time. I'd listened to all the music. And yeah. It's just a phenomenal show. But Miss Trunchbull is just it's a brilliant part. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, the other one is Frankenfurter. Yeah, I knew it was going to yeah, be Frankenfurter. You could see that one coming. I've I've seen enough photos on your Instagram to know that I've, it was Frankenfurter. I've, I've been putting I've been putting it down for years. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've the amount of times I've dressed up as Frankenfurter and sang because I did this time last year. <laughs> they literally just turned up on my time hop on Facebook yesterday. It was this time last year that we did the um, 
Alaman Film Festival yeah. Night at the Gaiety with Mark Kermode and the f- song that we picked from a film was Sweet Transvestite yeah, yeah. so I went on I so I have got in a certain case got to perform as Frank Furter and sing Sweet Transvestite on the Gaiety stage excellent but I still do want to do the show so if DCU would like to you know and now, actually, no. Give it another five years. I need to age a bit more. Well, it's 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 been fifteen years since it was last done. So I know, but I kind of want it. To, I'm like, I'm twenty six. I'm twenty seven in February, and I'm still quite baby faced. So I feel if they could leave it another five, eight years I'm until the be beard starts be- coming. That's never coming, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying. <laughs> but yeah, no. I'd say they're, yeah, they're my top three: Judas, Miss Trunchbull, and Frank Furter. Brilliant. Right then, so question five: Then, what was the part that you were born to play? Now, this could be the part that is most like you, or, or the part that you think would you, you could literally just step into it and, and play it straight off. Um, that character I have already played, and one. I mean, in certain aspects, that's Patsy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But there's also another character, which people probably won't know, and he's called Leaf Coney Bear. And Leaf Coney Bear is a character in the 25th annual Putnam Spelling Bee. Spelling Bee, yes. And we did this a couple of years ago with um, Simon Lynch, yes. Sarah Holland, uh, Laura Piggott was in there as well, Dean Callow. And it was such a fun show because it's, about a, it's basically about a whole load of school kids yeah. um, doing a Spelling Bee. And they've got to the finals and... Leaf is he's a very special boy. He wears a cape. <laughs> he wears a cape. Um, he shouldn't really be in the final. He's just got there by chance, which I feel is the definition of my life. I've got there by chance. Do you know, I think your sister has shared this picture on Facebook before, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he, at the end of his song, he sings this song. His song is called I'm Not That Smart. Yeah. Which again is I feel completely appropriate to myself. But again, he's like a massive child and he enjoys everything like again, that was another role where <laughs> where I played with things and yeah. it got to the point that the director was like, maybe a little too much. This was the point where Sarah Holland turned around to my sister and went, Where does he think of this? And my sister just turned around to her and said, What are you talking about? This is just family dinner. <laughs> This is what he's like. And we proved this because I was sat at the headmaster's table at the beginning of the second half. I'd gone in and I just started putting pencils on my face. And I started seeing how many pencils I could balance on my face. Don't ask me why. I just I just thought of it. It came There's to pencils, me all of a sudden. Balance them. Yeah. How many can I do that with? Um, and yeah, that was the definition of this. We had a family birthday so we all went round and there was a box of straws and me and my brother both decided to see how many straws we could fit up both of our nostrils because <laughs> <laughs> that's just a normal thing to do um, but yeah Leaf was just he went into these trances he sings his song and all of a sudden he pops out with this you know the little jelly finger puppets yeah just one of those at the end ah, da, da, da. It, it was just an absolute joy to play yeah. but yeah it was I was channeling a lot of my sort of inner inhibited child like yeah. yeah it was it was ace and if you haven't if you haven't listened to it it's all on Spotify 25th and Putnam Spell and B I'm not that smart just listen to it it's a great song it, it is a great show and I, I remember going to watch that and knowing absolutely nothing about it going in and it was just it was just such an enjoyable night because mm-hmm. you know but these days I mean, there aren't many shows that are done at the Gaiety that haven't been done before I mean occasionally we get you know we get the nice little the brand new original show that comes in mm-hmm. but 
most of those shows will have had a CD and you've listened to the CD to death or you know, you've you listened to all, all yeah. the songs. You know the songs inside out. You'll have seen performances on YouTube of, of people that have done it before and, or you'll have remembered the last time it was done on the island. But going into this, I had no knowledge of the of the story, of the of the show, of the characters, of you know, I hadn't seen anyone playing it before, so there was no way I was comparing your performance to David Artis who did it ten years ago or anything like that. So it was just nice to go straight in and just enjoy these wonderful performances. Yeah. Well so I didn't know the show before we were um sort of asked to do it and you know, I just got to know the show and the beautiful thing with it was as well, because it was a spelling bee, we got audience members up yes. to sit in with us and I was we, very amazed I didn't get dragged up. I know. <laughs> but the people that did, we stayed in character with them the whole time. Mm. Actually the first night that we were meant to perform, the fire alarm went off <laughs> five minutes before we were meant to go on, so no. everyone got floored outside. So we were all in costume. So we stood down the corner of this field just going, Oh dear So Sarah Holland just turned around and went off you go. It was like, we're we talking about it. was like, just go integrate with the crowd, but talk to them in character. And we were like, okay. So we did. And but it was just, it was such a fun experience. And it was great. And it was just so much fun and being surrounded by the people. And that was at the point just before Simon Lynch had got to the live shows of X Factor. Right, yes. So, and uh, there, there's one point in the show where we changed characters and me and Simon were playing playing Laura Piggott's gay dads. Yes. And so we had a lot of sexual tension and closeness on stage and I'm just you know, I'm glad I got to share that with Simon before we hit the big time. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> I can be one of those people that could turn around and go, uh, excuse me, I got to do that with him before he was famous. <laughs> See, I had a moment in the show with Sam Barks before she was famous, so you know, there's there's my claim to yeah, fame as does well. Does she remember it? Yeah she does. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll talk to her when we talk to her on the next podcast. <laughs> well, hopefully, anyway. Uh, so, moving on then, question six then. What is the best and or worst costume that you've ever had to wear? Worst costume, skull clap for Patsy. Uh, <laughs> that was... Hot. Just the hot... Like, yeah, the costume-wise, I loved the costume because it was so stupid. Um, but that backpack... That backpack literally gave me a hernia. Ooh. Um, <laughs> literally gave me a hernia. And it was just a very warm co- and because you were on stage the whole time, it wasn't a forgiving costume for sweat. No. And that skull cap was just like this plasticky leather, so it just trapped. And taking it off at the interval was a relief, but mm-hmm. putting it back on in the second half <laughs> was. I I showered before that show, yeah. so it was at least clean sweat. Yeah. And I showered after the show as well, and I've never done that with a show before. It was, it was grim. Um, there was a lot of. A lot of self-care hygiene going on. <laughs> much much like uh, the time when we shared the costume of Tosha. Oh, God, that was... The Commonwealth Youth Games that, mascot. That's on a par with... I mean, at least with this, it was my own sweat. With that, that was your sweat. And yeah. that was, I think, one of the most disgusting things I've ever done in my life. But as we say, it was clean sweat. So, you know... It, yeah, but it was your sweat. That's <laughs> <laughs> it was your that sweat was... by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. It was pretty much everyone's by the end of the whole thing. Yeah. Best costume... I've had some amazing ones. Queen Morgiana had some beautiful gowns. Absolutely beautiful gowns. Uh, production singer, the white tux jacket, mm. the black trousers. That was that was a powerful suit. That was like, Taylorian do do fantastic costumes, don't yeah. they? Yeah, they they go out all on their costume. Like I remember Wizard of Oz, the costumes they did on that were phenomenal. Same with Phantom of the Opera when I did that. Mm, some yes. of the costumes in that were incredible. 
Um, but yeah, production singer, that was for me personally. I'd lo- I'd loved that costume. I did try and convince them to let me keep the white jacket, but they wouldn't let me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and Queen Morgana, she had some beautiful costumes. There was one jacket that was, it, it was a jacket that went off your shoulders all the way down to the ground, had black fluff all around the edges of it, and then the rest was just silver sweet sequins the right. whole way down. And in the lights, it just looked, it weighed a ton, but it looked phenomenal. And like, it was like just, a walking glitter ball. Yeah, it was like it was like a glitter ball had been mashed together with Cruella de Vil. Mm. And it was just such a powerful gown. You could swish around in it and you just felt so, so like such a drama queen swishing <laughs> about in it. It was great. Just wanted to twirl. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I just want to twirl. Leave me here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd say they're probably my top hit costumes. Right. Okay, then. This is this is often quite often the trickiest question that we get. This is our gender swap question. Mm-hmm. So, which role would you most like to play of the opposite gender? It's tough because, like, when you go to watch shows, you never kind of look at the female part. You never think of it in the way you're going. I'd love to play that part. No, no. The one I kind of, I mean, I got to see Little Mermaid a couple of years ago. Um, Little Mermaid Junior production they did on the island. Uh, Great show, great performances in it, and um, it was Miss Vic Wilde yeah. playing Ursula. Mm. And I remember watching that and just seeing all the scenes, playing Ursula and stuff like that, and singing the song Poor Unfortunate Souls. And I was just going, oh, that would be so much fun to do. It's the villain again, isn't it? A villain, yeah. Yeah, it's the bad guy. I mean, I suppose in certain cases, Ursula could be done as a drag role, so I could kind of do it as a guy. That was a really, really fun part. It's it's difficult because you don't you don't think about it that no, way, do you? No, it's when you've really got to think about, it, isn't yeah, it? That's yeah. often where I say it often makes it the the trickiest question. Certainly for for guys answering to think about about female roles, yeah. Mm. But uh, but yeah, so it's it's often often an interesting answer we get. To <laughs> now there's one final question I'd like to ask. And this is this is something new that I'm thinking about about putting in myself. Right. Which new musical is doing the rounds on your iPod, your MP3 player at the moment? Ooh, ooh. Uh, Hamilton was up there for a bit. Yeah, I I I don't like these hype shows mm-hmm. usually because I just kind of ignore them and just go, oh, it's just being hyped. I mean, I have to say, musically, the way it's written, Lin Manuel is just a genius. Mm, yes. The way Hamilton is written is phenomenal. Um, the one that I've been listening to is School of Rock. Yeah, because I'd never listened to it before. And then we were on stage for the last night of Singing in the Rain. Curtain had just come down. And they said they were announcing next year's show. And we'd been trying to get them to give it up, just going, have they finally got Jersey Boys? Or are they going to do Mamma Mia? Because good, that means I can go on holiday. Um, (laughs) I'm not a fan of ABBA. I appreciate The best description I've ever heard of Mamma Mia is by Bill Bailey. And he said, watching Mamma Mia is like getting hit across the head with a piece of Ikea furniture. It hurt, but you've got to admire the workmanship. <laughs> <laughs> and I've held on to that for years. Um, so yeah, they announced it was School of Rock, and I was like, I love the film, I love Jack Black, but never listened to the musical. So yeah, I've been listening to that, and God, it's a great score. It is It is fantastic, isn't it? It's brilliant. Oh, I, love I think it. we've all got some serious guitar learning to, to do between now and the auditions. I would be lying to say I that I hadn't ordered strings and mushrooms today because I'm <laughs> fixing up my dad's old guitar. <laughs> but I've always wanted to learn to play guitar and I've never really had sort of a reason to do it. 
I, it's been a case of uh, if I find time, and you never find time. No. Um, so this is a good opportunity for me to turn around and kind of go, well, I've got a goal to aim for now, so I can start teaching myself guitar. If I don't get the role, that's fine. I've learned guitar out of it, or yeah. I've made the start. Anyway, now knowing the score with it mm. and the role with it, that's up there. And having listened to it, because it's quite the type of vocal it is, it's a Judas-esque role. It is. It's, it's, it's a big, powerful rock. It's a powerful rock voice. And to keep that sustainable... <laughs> For two weeks, mm. it's gonna be hard. Yeah, <laughs> having done Judas for one week, no, well, you know the vocal prep that yeah. sort of I went to, Matt went to with Jesus. The vocal prep we went to to keep that sustainable for a week was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it was it was a lot, um, and it'd be similar sort of thing. So, and it's it's one of those. Usually, when a show gets announced, you sit there and you've got an idea, or you sit there and go, I know who would be good in that role or I can see who'd fit into that role and having listened through to the score I'm not sure no no I've listened to it and gone this could go so many ways it depends what they do with the kids it depends who gets cast in other roles as well so yeah I think it's going to be really interesting to see and it'll be interesting to see who it brings out of the woodwork there's some people that as you know go into retirement once they've done a show uh, Lorcan's been into a retirement about three times now. This year alone? Yeah, yeah. He's gone into... Yeah, this year alone, he's gone to retirement twice. <laughs> and he's still been dragged back out. Um, but yeah, some people disappear from the theatre scene for a couple of years, and then the right show comes along, yeah. and it pulls them out. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Taylorian's always going to be a great cast, though, isn't it? So. Yeah, well, that's my, that's my intended show for on stage next year. Because I'm not doing sound of music, I'm doing that in the orchestra, and I'm not taking part in Ghost. So I'm like, because I kind of want the beginning of the year off next year. Because having done Spam a lot, then Singing in the Rain, now doing Broad Brothers, I'm not gonna stop till come November. Yeah. So I would like a couple of months off beginning of next year. So, but yeah. Um, but you'll find something else to fill that time, then, won't you? Probably. I it happens. Like learning guitar. I need to learn to say no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all do. It's a it's difficult. Yeah, it's tough in it. Right. Well, thank you very much, Jack. It's a uh, pleasure. Thank you very much. It's been great having you on the podcast. Likewise, it's been lovely to be here. Okay, thank you to Jack for the getting to know you uh, answers. Um, very revealing, some of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a clear interesting drag there. So yes. Something maybe his dad should be concerned yeah. about. <laughs> Although I think he's probably well aware of that by now, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's beyond help now, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and with that, we bring episode nine to a close. Remember to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages to get notifications of upcoming episodes and events. If you have any questions about the podcast or suggestions for future episodes, you can contact us through our social media accounts or by email to manxtheatrepodcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in local musicians and artists, you can check out our sister podcast, Supergroup. If you're interested in local musicians and artists, check out our sister podcast, Supergroup, where Neil King talks to Manx songwriters and musicians as they set up their fantasy supergroup. So all that remains then is for us to say thanks for listening, and we hope you join us again next time on the Manx Theatre Podcast. I've been Neil Callan. I've been Neil King. Thank you. Ta-ra. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, me.